Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Angus Robertson. Angus is a fractional CMO with Chief Outsiders and co-chair of the CompTIA Business Applications and Advisory Council. Chief Outsiders is more than 100 fractional CMOs who help companies grow through best-in-class marketing strategy and execution. Previously, Angus was CRO at business at a business continuity firm, Axient, where he managed sales, marketing, and partner success. Also, Angus was EVP of marketing at Conversant, acquired by OneTrust, CMO at Insight Software, and VP of product marketing at public telecoms company, Spirient. When Angus isn't obsessing about marketing, he loves getting outdoors and spending time with his family. Angus, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Thanks, Brandy. Great to be here. Great to see you. Awesome. Thanks. I'm so excited to have you and to continue our chat around being a fractional CMO. But before we go there, I love to break the ice with a little woo moment called buzzword banishment. So tell me, what industry buzzword would you like to get rid of forever? For me, I think it would have to be viral or guerrilla marketing. <laughs> yeah, as I say, guerrilla is the old school term. And then, you know, going viral is definitely the thing now. And... It's so interesting how people try to set out to go viral, and that's usually the stuff that doesn't go viral. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think I'm haunted by uh, a SaaS CEO I worked for was, you know, he's like, just be scrappy, go go viral, do some guerrilla marketing stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's easy, no problem. So. <laughs> be like, sure. I mean, if we want to, you know, pay for views or those sort of unethical things. It's like, it's not quite yeah. that simple. It's not not really how that works. Exactly. <laughs> well, too funny. Now that we've gotten that off our chest, I am really excited to continue the discussion. Um, for anyone listening, in episode 20, I talked to Alon and Will, and we talked about becoming a fractional CMO as a potential exit strategy. And there we, you know, talked a lot about how you know if that's the right path for you, what are some of the functions of being a fractional CMO, um, and also how to identify some red flags uh, as you are considering companies that you work with. And so I know that that piques the interest of, you know, a lot of our listeners in determining their next path. And so what I really want to dig into with you is just more tactically, if someone is interested in becoming a fractional CMO, what does that look like? How do they structure themselves? How to set expectations? Um, and so really excited to just really help marketing leaders to figure out what is their next step. 
Sounds great. Yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> and so I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus. It gives us purpose. And most important, it gives our audience an understanding of what they should expect from our discussion today. So tell me, Angus, what's your intention for our discussion? Just like you said, Brandy, I think uh, is fractional CMO right for you? And some of the considerations that go, go into uh, making that decision, it's not a simple one. There are certainly some amazing pros, but there's also uh, some cons from being a full-time operational CMO. So providing some clarity on on how to make that decision and if that decision is right for you. Okay, well, I like to jump right into the cons. Um, okay. I'm generally very positive and optimistic person, but when I go into decision-making, I personally like to think about what are the gotchas and the things that could go wrong before I start to sensationalize the positives and what could go right. So talk to me a bit about what are the concerns? What are the cons? Yeah, I can't help myself. I always go positive. Uh, so um, one of the amazing positive things about being a fractional CMO is the autonomy and the freedom. But the con to that or the contrast to that is the risk and uncertainty that comes along with, with the gig. So uh, you have amazing freedom in who you work uh, with, what kind of rates you charge, all that sort of thing. But there are times when uh, you may not have a lot of pipeline or a lot of opportunity or a lot of clients and uh, the money might not be coming in. And then there's just a lot more overhead and managing and thinking about that. And then I think the benefits too, you know, if you're working for a large company, there's just a certain, even if it's not real, there's a certain perceived comfort that you're getting that paycheck and you're getting those benefits even if some board somewhere or some CEO somewhere is plotting your demise, you, you're not really aware of it. Whereas uh, if you're a fractional CMO, uh, day in and day out, you're very aware of your revenue stream and whether um, you're going to be paying the bills or not. Um, yeah, and I do think the risk is a key thing to consider um, because, you know, with a full time role, Although generally you are brought in to solve particular problems, you are brought in to, you know, do the full job end to end. In yep. a fractional role, you really there are, you know, you have a bit more of a focus in this is what you are expected to accomplish in a shorter period of time. So it is almost like you're, you know, you're kind of always, on, you know, potentially on the chopping block. It's really interesting, though, because... Um coming into an engagement. So Chief Outsiders has been around for more than 10 years. Uh, and actually we're celebrating our ninth year of being on the Inc. 5000, which is an awesome milestone for us. But when we started with fractional CMO, it really wasn't a thing. And I would say even a few years ago, it wasn't really well known and even today. So more often than not, when you're working or engaging with the CEO, they may not have they may not understand what a fractional CMO is. They may know what a fractional CFO is, but um, they're going to be a little bit more leery about, does a fractional CMO really work? Can it work? And often they're much more comfortable with having somebody who is full-time. It just feels a little bit more um, less, less risky for them. And so getting over that perception and proving the value of fractional CMO within the first three to six months um, is really important. But what I've found is that 
after that happens, <laughs> the gigs tend to not end. So, you know, we, we have uh, a, a fractional CMO, actually, he's, he's retiring, he's in his 70s, but he's had a client for as long as Chief Outsider has been around. He's had a client for 10 years. So it can, they can be uh, long engagements. And I think it depends a lot on what that CMO is looking for, because there's some CMOs uh, or just people in general who like those longer term engagements and really digging, on, digging in to help the company succeed over a longer term. But then there's others who have shorter attention span and want to come in and you know, really make a difference and move on to the next shiny, shiny thing. <laughs> That's really interesting because I know most conversations that I've been a part of around a fractional CMO, <clears throat> it has been around short-term engagements, mm -hmm. you know, three, six, nine, 12 months at, you know, at the most has been the conversation. So the fact that someone could be in a fractional role for a decade um, is really interesting. And so thinking about, you know, I do think that that is, um, a self-awareness thing for the person, whether you are someone who likes to hop around, right. which that's like me. That's one reason I got into consulting is because I do have a short attention span <laughs> and I do <laughs> like working with a variety of different companies and being able to, you know, deploy different tactics and see how they work. And so consulting was the path that I went to be able to do that. So even though I work with clients long-term, I might work with five or six accounts. Sure. Whereas you are right that there are some people who that would be a nightmare. Like they want to, you know, sort of blinders on, stay focused on, you know, one particular end goal. So the fact that both of those people can have a home in a fractional role actually means that the the potential is wider than I realized. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think it's interesting. Um, uh, my, um, I had a boss for a long time that helped me, sort of mentored me on, on the marketing side. And he's actually one of the reasons I came to Chief Outsiders. And he was here for more than six years. And he actually had a client that he worked with for four years, but he was their fractional CMO when he first started with them. Um, they're part of the ServiceNow ecosystem. When he first started with them, they were 10 million in revenue. And after four years, they're over 50 million in revenue. But he's also, um, he won't like me saying this, but he's hes about to turn uh, 70 as well. But he's actually leaving fractional CMO to go back to a full-time CMO gig at a, at a um, high growth startup. So um, it's, it's interesting to sort of the, the flexibility and the opportunity there. And one thing, that I've been exposed to is, you know, we have more than 100 CMOs at Chief Outsiders, and we have B2C, B2B, folks who are stronger in a particular industry or a particular discipline like digital or branding. And so you get a sense of, as a marketer, where you fit. And uh, also, maybe you like um, working with companies that are less mature earlier or more mature. So there's a lot of um, dynamics to, to consider. And, it's very reassuring to me that there's uh, lots of places to explore. Okay. So what I, I appreciate you giving me the insight into a little more insight into chief outsiders. And so I'd like to dig into that a little more because I think it sounds like the two models of being a fractional CMO is to attach yourself to a company like chief outsiders or to kind of go at it alone in more of a freelance capacity. 
Um, if someone is considering which path is more advantageous for them, you know, what key things do you think they should be thinking about? Yeah, there's the chief outsiders approach where you're part of a larger collective or community. And um, there's also the single single shingle approach or, you know, grouping up with a few others. Uh, on the chief outsider side, since you uh, like the cons, um, I would chief outsiders will take a cut. They're going to take a, a percentage just like uh, Apple takes from the app store. So um, the benefits there, though, are that Chief Outsiders has a brand uh, and a platform to for you to um, leverage. They're managing the billing for you, so you're not having to worry about that and chase that down. And there's um, a number of CMOs that over the years have turned into what we call managing partners, and they spend almost all their time selling. And out of the I think we're 117 now to be specific, but there's about 10 who are doing most mostly selling now, even though they started out as a CMO. And what's interesting is in terms of the business that's brought to Chief Outsiders, those 10 CMOs bring half of the opportunities in the business, and then the other 100 plus bring the other half from their personal network. So there's a little bit less um, risk there because if you bring in your own business, you get a greater percentage. But if you're not having any luck or there's a dry period when it comes to your own business development, you can always go um, and partner with one of those managing partners to uh, be one of the CMOs that they assign to the um, opportunities in the pipeline they're, they're developing. And then on, on the single shingle side, you just have so much more autonomy and um, freedom and you really get to just completely decide how you want to do things, when you want to do things. Um, and, uh, but then there's, there's more risk. You have to, and there's more overhead that goes along with building and managing that business. Yeah. Cause it's almost like when you are independent, <clears throat> you're required to do both the selling and the fractional work. And, you know, it's almost like, even though you may have a contract, you still have to always be selling to, keep that pipeline going so that you don't, you know, have those, you know, dry periods in right. between. Um, whereas if you're partnering with someone, you could technically not, you know, do any selling and tap into your own network and really just be the person that is being sent out, um, which I think really, you know, does cater to a lot of different personalities. Because there are, I mean, even if, you know, any sort of thing, I mean, you've got attorneys that are same thing. Do you work mm -hmm. for a big firm? Do you go out on your own? Consultants, you know, there's a, a, a lots of those differing personalities. So now understanding that this is also an option in a fractional CMO role tells me that this is a step in the, the career path that is actually appealing to a broader audience. Um, and so I appreciate you sh sharing that perspective because it, in my mind, it was more narrow of these shorter term gigs where you're, you know, kind of constantly moving around, having to, you know, eat what you catch, so to speak. Um, but there are places that you can land and almost have some of that same full-time role mentality of you know being under a brand while doing the fractional role. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're completely right. I mean, there's some people who um, 
really are good at the sales side and, and just like doing that. And we call it mailbox money because you're placing other CMOs and you get that commission coming in as long as they're, they're working. And then the other end of the spectrum, um, the CMOs who really just like doing the delivery and just focusing on, on the marketing work. And then um, I'm somewhat in the middle um, just because I don't like to give away too much of the, of the percentage, <laughs> right? So, yeah. No, I can understand that. Um, so let's talk about how to structure fractional engagements. Um, so what are some of the, you know, examples of what these can look like? Yeah, so there's two main offerings. We have more, but mostly they fall into two categories. The primary one is the fractional CMO where you're on retainer and um, you, with us, you can cancel at 30 days, but you are the CMO of the organization and generally reporting to the CEO. If it's a larger organization, you could be reporting into the CRO or the, or the CMO. And you're responsible for that function. And that includes everything from budgeting to hiring to running all the campaigns and uh, building out the marketing and executing the marketing strategy. So you're doing all of that. And then the secondary kind of engagement that we see most often is advisory. And the easiest way of making a distinction there is that there's no deliverables. So you're helping a future marketer leader um, develop their skill set, understand what paths to navigate, helping them make make decisions, helping them develop in certain certain areas, and and that's that's a lot of fun. I, I have um, some fractional engagements right now, but I also have an advis advisory engagement, and it's very rewarding working with a smart leader who's really interested in developing the capabilities and being able to share your experiences and in your learnings. Okay, and so. Um, so just to restate that, so when you're on retainer, you are in there, you're doing the role, you are the face of that role, you own everything end yep. to end, but yep. in more of a fractional capacity in the advisor state, you are really more, you know, giving the advice, but it is on the others to actually, you know, take that in and do the work. Right. Be, be responsible for the outcome. Yeah. Okay. And yep. so in an advisory capacity, how are you measured? Uh, mostly by the perceived value of the person you're supporting and, um, and, and their manager. So uh, <laughs> thankfully, in, in the engagement that I have, uh, the person I'm working with, um, she's a very strong VP of marketing. Um, you know, she, she generally appreciates my, my support and providing uh, my guidance and, and direction. So, but, but at the end of the day, I, I really want to make sure that I'm, I am providing, providing that value. Okay. Um, and then in terms of time, um, because with the, the fractional roles, I have seen people talk about where it is, you know, very small time commitment in that, you know, you may be the fractional CMO for, you know, multiple companies at the same time. Um, it could just be that it's, you know, almost like interim where you're doing the job, you know, full time in a day's work, but it is for a short planned period of time. What does that look like in terms of, you know, the, the commitment to different clients? Yeah, it's pretty consistent at Chief Outsiders. So 
when Chief Outsiders got started, the belief was a CMO could do work with three to four clients at any one time. That's changed and over the years, and the benchmark now is really two to three. So, um, and that could be a mix of fractional and advisory. Now, um, that does vary depending on the CMO and the industry and the type of work they're doing. So, um, we have a lady who's known as the queen of industry and she never wants to go back to corporate. She loves fractional. She's been doing it for, I think, with Chief Outsiders six, seven years now, but she generally has seven clients at a time, but she's just, she loves working that hard and she loves the industry, the sort of industrial manufacturing space that she works within. But then um, we have other folks who really just do a one engagement and it's part-time and they're spending a lot more time with their family or, or their hobbies. So there's some uh, flexibility there. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. As I say, I can't imagine six or seven all at once and being that involved, but you know, in my head, two to three seemed like, you know, what I would expect to be the norm. So it's nice to hear that confirmed. Yeah. Um, so going into a role where you are on retainer, um, how do you set expectations around what will be accomplished in the time frame that you are serving as fractional CMO? Sure. Yeah, usually engagements initially are three to six months and then based on how that goes, or if you're there to help hire a full-time person, um, it'll either extend or, you're, or you'll uh, roll off. And most of the companies we work with are in the 10 to $100 million range, and we generally work with the, with the CEO. Uh, we do work with larger companies too, but often they're looking for growth. They're looking for pipeline, and they're looking for the KPIs to uh, support that. And that's not always possible within that time frame. So one of the most thing, one of the most important things that we do is we follow a pretty standard methodology based on the Chief Outsiders book, the growth gears. So insight, strategy, and execution. And at the end of the day, um, the goal is to establish marketing as a driver for growth. So as you're doing your budgeting and your forecasting and your annual planning, you know that you can invest a certain amount of marketing and you can get a, a return from that. So a big part of what we do is on the insight side, understand the market, the customers, the customer interviews, and then from a strategy standpoint, put a growth um, playbook in place that establishes a pragmatic approach for growing the business over time and then get into the execution. In that strategy phase, so in the sort of two to four month um, time frame within that three to six months, we will have identified a few quick hits, um, just low hanging fruit that we can execute on. So it's sort of a combination of setting the stage of this platform for growth, this, this plan that they will have the management team, the CEO will have confidence in that they know will, will grow, help, help the company grow. And then in parallel, making sure there's some quick hits that deliver some nice returns and uh, just to keep things moving along before the longer term sustainable uh, numbers start to come together. Okay. So it sounds like the initial engagement is, is almost around coming up with the plan, getting some of those quick wins, 
And then I'm assuming the next would be a suit that's going well. You then get another engagement to continue executing. Yeah. And sometimes it can happen faster. It really depends on the company. Um, I was involved with a client last year. They're 500 million in revenue and they needed to generate um, more than 60 million in pipeline per quarter and at least 30 million from marketing but they were only on track to generate 15 million. And when I came in and did the initial research, talk cross-functionally, talk with some customers, it was fairly clear that they had almost everything right. You know, they had an amazing brand, they had great products, but they had um, fragmented and fractured their go-to-market. And it was across so many different campaigns and so many different products which just undermined their go-to-market. There was just too much overhead, too much time, and too much confusion in the marketplace. So very quickly, we were able to simplify that down to four primary campaigns. And it was only three to four months before uh, that 15 million went to 45 million, but that's, that's rare. It's because they had such a strong brand already and they had such good fundamentals in terms of the product and product market fit. But Generally, it takes a bit longer because you're having to plug those pieces together, really optimize the product market fit, help to inform the product strategy, align the marketing efforts to the sales follow-up. And you know, if there is an infrastructure in place, for example, people aren't there or the systems, like the marketing automation is not there, you have to get that done. So um, it, it really depends on how those, pe how those pieces are established within the, within the client. Okay. And that, that, that makes sense. Um, thinking about, I mean, that is impressive going from, you know, 15 million to 45 in a short period of time. But mm -hmm. I do agree. That's one thing I talk about a lot is when you have that revenue engine infrastructure in place, then it really is just about pulling the wrong levers. It's like, right. you know, we got too many right. baskets. We don't want to put right. all our eggs in one basket, but we don't want to have this many baskets either. So yeah, it's, exactly. you know, let, let's focus our efforts and you can move the needle um, a lot faster. So really, really interesting there. Um, one of the things that came up when in episode 20, when I talked to Alon and Will was around some of the challenges with managing a team while technically being a third party as a fractional CMO. Have you experienced that or run into any challenges there? I think I've been lucky um, or that's, you know, that's one of the things I would say I would miss being a full-time CMO. Um, I don't miss the, <laughs> as much, the um, uh, air cover and the politics and the bureaucracy and making sure the board's happy, making sure the CEO's happy, making sure the head of sales is happy, the head of product's happy. There, I mean, half of my time would, would be that, right? Um, but uh, I do miss the hiring and the development of, of the team. So uh, that's something that I really do enjoy in, in the clients that I, I work with. And, you know, in that example I gave last time, um, I had 25 people I was looking after in a $20 million budget, and there was no issue. I mean, I have a pretty standard approach to, um, I like Lencioni's approach to meetings and collaboration. So I, I generally follow, follow that and do daily standups and weekly ad hocs, and then um, have programs associated with the channels for, for demand gen. 
and make sure that there's program owners and that there's budget aligned to those program owners. So a big part is um, understanding if we've got, uh, you know, good to great, Jim Collins, all the right people on the bus and everybody in the right place. Um, but then empower them and, and give them the budget to and, and the agency to execute those programs. And I find if you have that communication infrastructure in place, you have the programs defined and the ownership there, and you have that alignment on the overall goals and, and priorities with the management team, it works, it works great. I, I, it's, it's something I really, I really in, enjoy the, the, the teams. I had a client in Denmark, a client in Texas, client in Florida, and I, I looked after them. I've looked after the marketing teams there and um, just, just their energy and their ideas and their perspective is, is a lot of what uh, motivates me. Awesome. Well, uh, that is definitely a blessing that you have not run into any of those people challenges. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think the uh, minimal politics has been one of the selling points that has come up in a number of conversations for the fractional role. So I think we can all definitely live with uh, less office politics. I know that was one of the motivations for me going into consulting is to run as far away from that kind of stuff. Um, well, that is really awesome, Angus. And I would say that, you know, talking about how to solve our challenges is just the first step. Um, and in traditional therapy, the therapist gives the client homework, but here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head and ask you to give our listeners some homework. So um, help to summarize your key takeaways and then give us our one thing. What is the one thing that you would want someone who is considering going down the fractional path to do? So one of the things that I got exposed to when I um, went through the interview process at Chief Outsiders uh, was Dan Pink and his theory of motivation. And I think it's phenomenal. You know, the idea of autonomy, mastery, and purpose that drives motivation. At Chief Outsiders, we had one more, which is community. So I think thinking about is fractional SEMA right for you relative to those three or four things, autonomy, mastery, purpose, and community um, is really key. And if it comes back that that why relative to that motivation really sticks, then go for it. And you're going to be uh, successful. Um, awesome. Um, so the self-assessment would be our one thing and yep. you've given us a nice framework. I am not familiar with Dan Pink, so I'm going to have to look him up. Um, he has a 20 minute Ted talk, which is, which is great. Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll be, I've got to go to soccer practice. So that'll be, uh, my listening while I'm sitting on the sidelines, yep. I will find that Ted talk. Um, well, Angus, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. Um, thank you so, so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Brandy. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. And thanks to everyone for joining us today. I hope that you have enjoyed our conversation with Angus. I can't believe we are already at the end. See you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.